Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey, hey, happy holidays, everybody. How you doing? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. And all I know is that if you build it, they will come. I've been saying that for a while now. And episodes like this continue to make me believe that is the truth. My guest today is my guy, Jordan Toma. And let me tell you about Jordan Toma. Jordan Toma loves a good comeback story. Whether it's his own, a student he connects with during one of his speaking engagements, or even a total stranger's he hears being shared on the social media platform Clubhouse, mine, he just can't help himself from rooting for the underdog. That's because for as long as he can remember, he's been the underdog. As a kid, Jordan was diagnosed as being dyslexic, having attention hyperdeficit disorder, or ADHD, and an auditory processing disorder, which meant traditional classroom learning was a major challenge for him. So much so that merely the sight of a school bus used to send him spiraling into anxiety attacks. Eventually, he was placed on an individualized education program, or an IEP, And after struggling his way through high school, he thought there was no way he was going to go to college. High school was hard enough. How was he ever going to make it through college? The tests, the homework, the fact that he was about to graduate high school with a 1.7 GPA, he was convinced he was done with school forever. His mom wasn't, though. To her, there was no way he wasn't going to college. After being rejected by dozens of colleges and universities, they finally found the right fit. New Jersey's Centenary University. There was only one catch. To enroll, it was mandatory that he'd have to move in early to begin their step-ahead program, leaving him only two days of summer between graduation and enrolling into this program. He thought it was going to be the end of the world. But reflecting upon it in this interview, he believes it was the best thing that could have ever happened to him. In this episode, you're going to hear Jordan share the story of how the habits that he formed during his time at Centenary transformed him into the unstoppable force that he is today. From his first job post-grad selling windows door-to-door and becoming the top salesperson in the company, to passing a series of exams to become a financial advisor and going on to become one of the top producers in the country, to building his real estate portfolio, to becoming a TikToker and a keynote speaker, and traveling all around the country sharing his story with students. My friends, I hope you'll enjoy listening to this episode half as much as we enjoyed making it for you. And if you do, please, please, please let us know by dropping a quick rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and by sharing it on social media. Retweet it, share it, or sending it to somebody else you think needs to hear Jordan's message. If you're brand new to the show, first-time listeners, welcome in, my friends. Good to have you with us. Please go back and check out some of the other episodes that we've been doing lately. The interviews have been fire. Tim Schladen last week on the powers of vulnerability, empathy, and tribalism. The week before that, we had Shane Fowler on building relationships, bridging gaps, and graduating from Harvard Law School. The week before that, Jim Phipps came on the show to talk about working in the Starbucks window, close calls he had as a 24-year veteran, and surviving the triangle of death in Iraq. Absolute bangers these last few weeks. Morgan McCombs, even a few weeks before that, 
came on to talk about launching her new platform, Empower Now, earning her New York stripes and living unapologetically. There's been a lot of great guests that have come on. And if you're brand new to the show, I highly, I highly recommend that you go back and check some of those episodes out. Follow Jordan on TikTok at I'm Just a Kid with an IEP. You can check out the stuff that I do on TikTok or my Instagram page, either at BennyTomp18 or at RealTalkWBennyT. That's about all I got for you. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Spend some time with family or friends or however you enjoy spending your holidays. If you're going to be traveling, make sure you download some podcasts to listen to, like this one right here. And of course, again, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. All right. Without further ado, here is Jordan Toma. All right, we now welcome Jordan Toma to the show. Jordan, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? What's up, man? How you doing, kid? I'm good, man. I'm happy. Actually, I'm happy the way that I met you. I know I, I was, we were in that clubhouse, uh, <laughs> in that clubhouse thing, dude. Now I was sitting there listening to like people talk, you know, and I think that you know everyone's story is good no matter what. Like, who cares? It's their own story, you know. Yeah. And. It was so funny how like I was like that story was good like I liked your story, and then everyone was like saying things. I'm like these people are just here to hear themselves talk sometimes. He's like they're not giving any like good feedback. There was nothing good there, and then I was like that's why I had to reach out. to like dude, that story was good. Just keep telling it, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thought it was good, man. I liked the way I liked the way I liked your story. I liked it. Kind of like reminded me of like you know a comeback story, and I like comeback stories. So you know that's what it's all about. So that's why I'm happy I, I got to meet you in there. For sure, dude. Yeah, you were one of the only ones that I really connected with through Clubhouse. That's the platform we were on, and that was actually the very first time that I had ever gotten on there and and just found that club, pitched, and you know I went for the big hook because I listened to like the the five or six people before me go, and all the feedback they got literally every single time was, "Hey, you got to hook us. You got to hook us." So I started with like a really dramatic story and I was like, all right, I'm going to hook these motherfuckers. Like they're going to be hooked, you know? And, and then I hear all this other shit about like trauma dumping and I'm like, what the fuck are you guys talking about, man? I know. I know. You know what? We all, everyone's, there's trauma dumping. We we want to know what that is. You you know what's on my heard on clubhouse. I never heard before. They said, I have toxic positivity. I said, what? (laughs) Like, yeah, you're too positive and it's pissing everyone off. And I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you can't be positive. You can't tell, but you can't do anything. So, you know, it's nonsense. I just think you should just tell your story. Your story's good. Everybody, everybody's got something they went through, right? So, like, other people have to hear, like, tough situations that people got through so they can, like, all right, I can do it, too. Like, if you, then, then there's no point of telling the story. Why would you watch a movie that wasn't didn't have any trauma, you know? Yeah. No, there's no reason. I mean, and if you don't talk about the shit that's hard for you, then how are you going to learn or how are other people going to be inspired if you just talk about everything that's going right in your life? And that that group was like, I, I realized, I went back one more time and I still got pushback from some of the people in there about this or that. And I just thought, you know what? This is like a live person version of Twitter and Twitter fucking sucks. So I think yeah, I'm yeah. good here. I think I'm good. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So, and I got to hear your pitch. And then you reached out right after that. And, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was a little bit shook after that because I was like, I thought I just nailed it. Like, everybody else that got in there and <laughs> you had a good story. And, and, and everybody else that was in there was like, 
So, um, my name is Michael and I work <laughs> at, and it was just like, all right, there's no passion. There's nothing here. And then you reached out and you were like, Hey dude, don't listen to that. And I, I really needed that because if I hadn't had that and a couple other people reach out and be like, Hey, what they said to you was wrong. I probably would have been like, wow, my pitch probably sucks. But then right, right, right. as I continue to get that feedback from you guys, and then the other main thing is that when I pitch that to the riders in the Ubers, I'm like, dude, I know my pitch is tight and these people are fucking tripping. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, I know. It is what I it know, is. I know, dude, I know. They, they said I was too loud. I'm like, I'm Italian. What do you want me to do? You know, I'm loud. <laughs> I'm in my car. I'm giving a pitch. I'm screaming. I mean, what do you want me to do? I'm into it. <laughs> Yeah, bad for you, Jordan. You're too passionate. You're too positive, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I love it, man. So, yeah, so then we get connected, and you're like, hey, I do this thing, man. I'm just a kid with an IEP, and you start telling me a little bit about your story, and you're like, dude, I, you know, they they gave me this feedback, but, dude, I got, like, six paid booking engagements where I'm going to yeah. be speaking, and I'm like, dude, dude that, that that's month, awesome. Dude, that month, I had six in a row, all from TikTok. All from just TikTok that month. <laughs> it was insane. In a row, and I did it all virtual. I never had six in a row in my life. You know, I've done like a bunch throughout the year, never six in a row, like literally in one month. It was crazy. Damn. So yeah, man, they um they were wrong. And that's why like you gotta really just keep going, you know, just gotta keep going with what you want to believe in. Cause I just keep doing my thing. I'm just I just always be myself. I tell my story. If they don't like it, that's fine. But Trust me, people know when you're being yourself, you know, they know that. And that's why they, that's why I get hired. Cause I'm just being myself and I'm not trying to be anyone else. Right. Right. And it's authentic. So I'm really excited for you to get to share your message and your story. And uh, yeah, just be your authentic self here, man. This is real talk. So let's start first with, uh, why don't you tell us what you do? What is I am just a kid with an IEP? So I'm just kidding. IEP. So if people are listening, don't know what an IEP is. It's an individualized educational plan when you're in school and you have learning disabilities, you get that, right? You, you have IEP meetings. But when I was in school, I never knew what an IEP was. I didn't even know what I had. All I knew is that I was in the resource room. I always took my class in a, in a, in a, in a special room by myself. I always had like a teacher, uh, like a, a special teacher next to me, like to help me out in class. I, I never knew like what was really going on. And I didn't know what an IEP was. All I knew was that, Hey, you know, I don't know what's going on in class ever. And then when I get to this other classroom, everyone starts goofing around. I just want to goof around too. And I would just do that. And as I would do that, you know, I was like, man, like I just can't figure this thing out in school. And I would struggle in school a lot. Like I got in a lot of trouble <laughs> and I would run, try to run away from home. Like, you know, we do a lot of things. And my parents didn't know what to do with me. And they were like, you know, Jordan, you got to stop getting into trouble. You got to calm down. You know, you are smart. You just got to figure it out. And when you're young, like you just don't know like what's going on. Like it's so hard to understand like why you can't get it and everyone else is just getting it. And it's frustrating. Every kid reacts in their own way, right? They get in trouble, they, they, they get into drugs, whatever they end up doing, right? You make bad choices because everything outside of school is better because you don't know what the heck's going on in school. Yeah. So what I did, you know, I just got in trouble and I just basically gave up on myself. And my parents were always trying to like fix it. Right. They would bring me to therapists, like the top psychologists, like in the world. My mom was like, my mom's super like tenacious. Like she, she, she's like obsessive and she'll find like the number one therapist in the world and bring me there. Right. So my mom would do that. I would like walk into a room in like New York city and this guy would look at me and he'd be like, why are you getting into trouble, Jordan? I would say, I don't know, man. I just want to get my ears pierced. My parents won't let me, you know? And he would like write it down. 
and then he would ask me more questions. I'm like, you know, I just want to get my ears pierced. So I want to dye my hair, man. Like I thought that's it. And I, I and like I was just I didn't I didn't know it was a while I was in these rooms with these guys. So we would go to Connecticut, we would go to all over the place, right? And then they would diagnose me with all these things. And I had anxiety. Like I wouldn't be able like every time I saw a school bus, I would like get this panic attack and I wouldn't be able to get out of the car. And all my I have a twin brother. My brother would run to the car, my sister would run to the bus. Everyone would run to the bus and I would just be frozen. I just couldn't go to the, go to school. Uh, and I missed like so much school because I couldn't understand what was going on in school. I was aggravated. I was struggling and I was getting into trouble. And I just like, couldn't go. Like, you know, that feeling like when you tell yourself, like, you know, I, you want to go do something. And then as soon as like the school bus would pull up, I would have like my heart would start beating out of my chest and you just froze. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it, you know? And, um, it was anxiety, but I didn't, I didn't know at that point. I was just young. I was a kid and my dad would yell at me like, Jordan, get out of the car and go to school. And I would just go, I can't, you know? And this happened like a lot. And I just missed a lot of school. My mom would be like, Jordan, can you please go to school now? I would go home. I'd calm down. I'd be like, yeah, I can go. And we would drive. And I remember we would drive, we'd be in the car. And I'd be telling myself, Jordan, you can't keep missing school. Cause then you're going to start getting more nervous. You've got to at least go one, one day this week. And I would be driving and I remember I would see the stop sign in the horizon. And I knew when my mom stopped that I would have to go into the parking lot. That was school. And as soon as she would stop every time, I would unlock the door and I'd dive out the car. And I would just keep <laughs> running. And I would run, man. I would throw my book bag off and just run. And my mom would just like do this crazy U-turn and like start chasing me. I would just keep running down the street. And I have no idea what I'm running from at this point. I'm just running like away. And my mom's like screaming. And I would get in the car, then the therapist would come out in the parking lot and try to convince me to come to school. It was just this crazy thing that always happened. Yeah. And, um, and I remember just like doing this over and over and over again. Finally, I did go back to school, but I went back like with like a negative mentality. Like it just, just like I gave up and I was young. I was only like sixth grade. I was really giving up on myself and, you know, kids call you dumb. They say things, you know, you're in the resource room and that's how like this whole IEP, I started figuring out what an IEP was and, I had like all these accommodations. I didn't know there were accommodations at the time. And it was just like tough. And, uh, you know, when you're younger and you, and you don't do well anywhere in your life, you kind of just give up. And that's, that's what I was doing. I was just giving up, giving up, giving up. And um, before you know it, like I'm a graduating high school and I have a 1.7 GPA. I failed out of a private school that my parents sent me to my freshman year of high school. It was like, a, you know, it was, a, it was a private school in New Jersey that my dad went to, my uncle went to, everyone went there, you know, and I failed out. And, um, and then I went back to high school. I just did nothing. I didn't bring a book bag. I didn't bring a pen. I didn't bring anything. I just sat in the back with my hood up. I remember I had my Walkman. I put my, you know, my, the, the Walkman and then the, and the headset over my hood and I would just sit in the back. I eat it. I would eat a chocolate muffin and a Snapple every morning. I would sit there in the back, just eat it. And then I would just sit there all day in, in the class and do nothing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, I got to graduate, dude. Like I have a 1.7 GPA. I failed home at, you know, and I'm like, failing gym class, failing everything. And um, my mom's like, hey, Jordan, are you, you know, you got to go to college. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't go to college. Like, what are you talking about? But like, mom's like, yeah, Jordan, you're going to go. And my mom, I remember, brought me into the head with, with the head of the child study team. And the head of the child study team is somebody that regulates the IEPs. Like, they like look them over and make sure like everything's okay and you're getting the proper accommodations. Mm -hmm. And she looked at my mom, she's like, listen, I don't want to set you up for the heartbreak, but Jordan can't go to college. He cannot go to a four-year college. You know, he can't do it. Don't send him. And my mom was like, no, he's going to go. He's going to go. So, you know, we, you know, I didn't want to go. I was not going. I didn't want to go on the bus, let alone college, you know? Right. And um, 
I remember going like, I just want to get accepted because you know, in high school when everyone's graduating, they're all talking about where they're going. And then when you grad, you know, that list on that packet that everyone has the school next to their name, yep. you know? Yep. And I had no name. I had nothing. I didn't know where I, I, I didn't even know my score was so bad in the SATs. I couldn't even send them in. My dad wouldn't even tell me the score. And they were like, I'm like, I just want to get into a college. So I could tell everyone, Hey, I'm going to college too, just to everyone else. And I just wasn't going to go. And, uh, Finally, there was this one school. I, I, I applied to 15 colleges all over New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. W- where are you from? Louisville, Kentucky. Are oh, you from Kentucky? So, yeah. So, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut all are all close. And so, I applied to all these schools. And I was banking on one school, like one squad. All 15 of them I got denied. But I was banking on the one that my dad went to, my uncle went to. My uncle donates there all the time. Like, he does everything over there, right? So, and he wrote me a letter, a recommendation letter. Mm-hmm. And I like needed to get into this school just so I can like take a deep breath. Like, hey, at least somebody wants me, you know, I can, I wanted to like tell somebody like, Hey, I got in, you know, my twin brother was getting into all these schools. I couldn't get in. I get the letter back. And like, if, if you know, if people that know that apply to college, if you get like a, a little letter in the mail, you know that you're not getting in, you know what I mean? So I would always get a little letter. My dad would like throw it to me across the table. I'd just throw it on the floor. You know, I knew it wasn't good. Finally, I come home. I'm like, man, like, I need one. I need that one, you know? And I open it up and it's like small. And I'm like, shit, you know, I didn't get in. And it says, you have not been accepted. I looked at my dad. I'm like, dad, Uncle Jim wrote me a letter, dad. He's like, Jordan, you wouldn't have got in with a letter from the president of the United States of America, right? (laughs) And now it's funny because me and my dad laugh about it now. But I was like, damn, my dad's right. (laughs) Damn, you're roasting you. Yeah, and I was looking at him like, United States of America. Like, I'm in high school. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm not, that was like, I think it was George Bush at the time. I'm like, George Bush wrote me a letter. I wouldn't get in. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I I would definitely get in if George Bush wrote me a letter. And um, I didn't get in. Right. And um, school year's ending. I'm not, I have like three days left to school. Right. My mom, it's like, Jordan, go to the guidance counselor and figure out where you're going to go. Right. So I'm like, whatever. So I go into the guidance counselor's room and I'm like, Hey man, I'm like, I got denied everywhere. I don't know where else to go. He's like, listen, Jordan, you got to apply this one last school. I'll help you fill out the app. Just do it. I think you can get in. I don't know. So I hit submit. I fill out the app. My mom drives to the school and she's like, listen, my son just applied. You got to accept my son. Right. They're like, we don't even know who your son is. And they're like, please accept my son, please. I'm like, and they're like, all right, we don't know who he is, but we'll, we'll get back to you. My mom comes home. She's like, Jordan, I went to the school where you applied. I told them that you're applying. I told them your story. I'm like, all right, whatever. The day before graduation, I get suspended from high school, right? Day before, they're like, they call my mom up. What I did was basically I, I, I drew on every single car in the parking lot with window chalk. And I wrote crazy things all over the windows, right? I don't even remember what I wrote. Bad things, not good things. <laughs> to the point where the po- the mailman called the police on me, right? What? And uh, the mailman was bringing mail to the high school and they called the police on me, right? <laughs> so it was me and my buddy. And it wasn't like bad, bad, we're like, it was just stupid. Like when you're a kid, you do stupid things. It was just it's a, a prank. stupid thing. Yeah. It was a prank. It was a senior prank. I thought it was funny. You know, whatever. I was writing silly things. Yeah. Whatever. The guys are going to call the cops. Finally, the principal comes out, suspends me, right? Sends me home that day. He's like, Jordan, you can't stay here. Your, your suspension starts today. Because it was 9 a.m. As soon as the kids parked, they went into class. <laughs> so I get sent home, right? And um, I drive home. I walk into the house. My mom's like, why are you home? I'm like, I don't know. School ended early. She, had, she didn't really know what was going on. But there was mail on the table. I look at it and I see Centenary. That's where I went to school. And I open it up and it says, you have been accepted. 
Hey. And my mom like literally falls to her knees. Like I got in the Harvard, right? She starts like screaming. I'm just like, keep reading. And I never read mail. Like I just throw on the floor. You know, I don't know what it said. I'm like, I'm not going anyway, you know? And I'm looking at it. It says, mom's like, keep, I'm, I'm like, what? She's like, school starts in two days. I'm like, school starts in two days. I'm like, I'm not going to school in two days. I didn't even graduate yet, you know? And mom's like, yeah, you got to go. And then um, I'm like, I'm not going, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going. And I was like, you're going. I'm like, mom, you're trying to ruin my life. I'm not going to school in the summer. I don't even like school. You know, I'm done with school. And I go up to my room and I call the number on the school and the director of the program that I got into, I got into the, what's called the step ahead program. It was a program for kids with learning disabilities mm -hmm. that you go to prior to college starting to get acclimated, but you have to go there. Like I got into that program to go to this college. Like I wasn't just getting accepted. I had to go. But I just thought my mom was like ruining my life with this guy at the program, right? I didn't really, I didn't understand it. And my mom is like, listen, you know, you got to go. I'm like, I'm not going. I called the director and I said, hey, what's up? This is Jordan Toma. I'm just letting you know that um, I got to be in English and I'm not coming. I'm coming. I might come to college, but I'm not coming to the program in two days. He's like, Jordan, well, it doesn't work like that, dude. If you don't come to the program, you're not. And I, I'm like, I hung up on him. It was this big house phone. I smashed it on my bed, the battery, you know, those batteries that were in those big house phones back in the day. And it like blew up off my bed, like flew like a hundred feet in the air, broke everywhere. I just sat in my room and I, I graduated high school. Right. I, I walked across. They ended up letting me walk. They weren't going to, they let me walk. Yep. And, um, next day I woke up, my mom to like, get up, you know, and she packed my bag, put all my stuff in those plastic drawers, you know, those drawers yeah. that you, know, you bring to college, she just stuck all my clothes in there. And she's like, get in the car, you're going. And I just got in the car, she threw everything in. And um, I couldn't jump out of the car because we were on the highway. You know, I wanted to jump out. And I'm like, I got to jump out of here. And I just couldn't because I was, you know, it was going 80 miles an hour up Route 80. And we drove there. I get there. They're like, all right, everybody, welcome to the Stephead program. This is the time you wake up. This is what time you're going to go to class. This is what time you're going to go to your tutor. This is what time you're going to go to the library. This is what time you're going to go back to your tutor. This is what time you're going to go to lunch. This is what time you're going to go to class, tutor, class, tutor, free time. We're scheduling in your free time. You don't have free time. We schedule your free time in. Then you got go back to the library. Then you got to go to dinner and you go to bed, right? Yeah. Parents, you got to leave. Your kids will call you. Don't answer. They'll be all right. They got to make it, right? And then my parents just left me there. And I was like, are you kidding? I, dude, like I had a girlfriend at the time. Not my wife now. It was my girlfriend at the time. She wrote me like this note, this letter, like, you're going to do great. I love you. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you got to come get me. You know, like, I'm like trying to get out the window. They took my car keys. I don't know what to do. I'm on the first floor in these dorms. But I start to have that anxiety attack now. Like, you know, like, you know, when like really you're angry, but you're really anxious. Like you're not really angry. You're just more anxious. Like I had anxiety. I wasn't angry. Right. But I was, I was, I didn't want to fail again. I always failed the whole life. I didn't want to fail in college again in front of everybody. I didn't want to be in that situation. And I remember I'm just crying in my room and um, I had nowhere to go. I'm just crying. And I, I don't want to cry in front of the college kids. Now I'm in college and I pop my head out the door and I, I don't see anybody. So I run right to the bathroom. I turn the light on and like, you know, in the college dorms, the lights are like so bright, man. The room's like the, the, the walls like painted white and there's like this bright light on my face. I look insane. I'm like crying. My hair is like down to here. I have like puka shell necklace on, you know, I'm like <laughs> sitting there looking at myself and dude, I'm just crying. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, dude. It's the weirdest thing ever in my life. I was 18. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I just saw myself like, like almost being like a baby, like crying. I'm like, and I felt this way for so long. I just looked at myself. I was like, 
Jordan, you got to change, man. I said that to myself. And I'm, I wasn't like a mature person at this point in my life. I was extremely immature and like angry and just wanted to like do nothing but get in trouble. And I just said that to myself. And I don't know what came over me, dude. I threw water on my face. And I, for the first time in my life, I set my alarm for 6 a.m. That's how I had to get up. And I went to class and I sat in the front of the classroom. I never did that before. And I remember when I sat down in the classroom, I said to myself, Jordan, no matter how bad you want to run, no matter how hard this is going to be, like, you got to sit tight. You got to do this this time. You cannot leave. You can't keep running your whole life, you know? And I remember just sitting there, holding on to the desk, taking my notes, right? I can't understand my handwriting, but I still took my notes. And I'm taking my notes and I'm just trying to be like what I see everyone else do, right? Be like a normal student. I'm just like taking notes. I don't even know what I'm writing. I can't spell. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I start to like realize, hey, these people believe in me. You know, like I had a therapist every Wednesday to go to, which I never had before. It was, a, it was more of like a social worker, but she was really cool and she would talk to me. But she would like believe in me. Like no one ever like believed in me other than my mom. If you don't get like self-belief other than like someone outside of your family, like someone else believing in you is really different, different feeling. So like this lady was like believing in me and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like listening to her, but I really didn't believe in myself yet. But I started to utilize the accommodation. So I had a note taker, which, which I was able to get my notes after I took my own notes. I had test readers. I had extra time. You know, I was able to go to class and then go right to the tutor because I never knew what would happen in class. But then I would go to the tutor and say, hey, listen, I have no idea what just happened. But can you like tell me what happened in you know, slower form? You know, so I can figure this out. And I started to utilize it instead of running from it. For the first time ever, I was 18. I passed an assignment on my own. And when I, I remember, I'll never forget it, dude. It was like, this was the assignment. Think about it. I'm 18. I'm in college. It was a, it was a paragraph. I had to put all the punctuation, punctuations in, right? Mm -hmm. I can't even say punctuations, right? I, dude, I still can't put the right commas in period. I have no idea where I'm, I write run on sentences all day. I'll put periods wherever I think it looks good. But when I was in college, I was like trying at this point. I, I worked on it. I remember I passed that assignment. That was like a really hard assignment for me. It was just like a warm up assignment. And I looked at it, I got an A and I'm like, I got an A, like, I can do this. Like I can do this. You know, I, I'm a college kid now. I just got an A on this assignment. I've never done this before. And then that moment I was like, you know, I got to outwork everybody. That's what I have to do. I got to go in the library. I would go in the library, dude. And I would rewrite every single book I had in each class to memorize it. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to understand it, but I would be able to rewrite it and I would memorize it. And I rewrote every book. I've been in the library all night long. I did my entire syllabus. You know, you get a syllabus in college. Yeah. I did my whole syllabus for the summer in like five days. Did it all with my tutor. I didn't stop, dude. I was like this obsessive person. Like I didn't know what happened. I, I transformed like to the Hulk. And when the program was done, I, I finished with a 4.0 GPA from a 1.7 to a 4.0, right? Damn. I won an award, the hardest work. I called my mom. My mom started to cry. She couldn't believe it. Right? <laughs> and, and she's crying on the phone, like, what? Right. And I freaking won the award. I have 4.0 now, dude, right? And the program's over. Now it's time to go to college. And all I did now, now I'm going to college. Nobody knows me. You know, no one knows me as Jordan. Oh, I, I think as myself, it's Jordan, the kid with the IEP, Jordan, the kid in the resource room, special ed, like from high school. Everyone knows me as that kid. Mm -hmm. But no one knew me as that kid at this point. I was like, now I'm just a college kid and I, I, I'm, I, I'm doing this. I, I'm just going to outwork everybody. And I'm not going to ever, even though I hate school and I hate doing it, I just had to put the work in, right? And I I realized that it's not about the grades that I get. It's who I'm becoming right now. Like, it's the work ethic. It's it's the mindset, right? Forget the grades. And I worked so hard 
for four years, dude, I woke up early. I went to the breakfast. I went to class. I went to my tutor. I went to class. I went to my tutor. Every Wednesday at 9 a.m., I went to my therapist for four years. Same lady. And I followed that same program from the Step Ed program for four years. I ended up graduating college with a 3.3 GPA with a psychology degree. And I actually got into my, my, I was got into a master's program at Fordham, which I ended up not going to. But I'll get there. And then um, and I graduated, dude. And when I graduated with a 3.3, I got those cords around my neck. Uh, I, you know, I thought everyone was a genius, that cord. I finally had these cords on my neck, man. I kept them on. Like, I wore them to the restaurant after. I just didn't tell everyone to know, hey, dude, I, I'm smart now. You know, I'm a cop. Hell yeah. And, and I did it. But what happened was the hardest part for me in my whole life was school. Like, I could never figure it out. And I just did something I never thought I could do. And when I did that, I was like, wait a minute. I can do that, right? I can do anything. Like, now I can do anything. No matter what it is, I can do it. I can pass all these hard tests. I can write these papers, even though I still can't spell. I still can't write well. But I, I whatever, I rewrote my papers hundreds of times just to get it right. I went over my tutors. I put so much work in. And I said, if I take that same mentality and I just go out into the world and figure out what I'm actually good at naturally and then work at that, I'm not good at school. I figured it out, but I'm going to figure out who I really am. Mm -hmm. That's what I did, dude. And I remember my first job was selling windows door to door. And I sold the most window appointments in the company my first day. And the vice president called me. He's like, Jordan, how'd you do that? I'm like, I don't know, dude. He's like, you don't even know the pitch. I'm like, I know. I just sold the windows, man. Because <laughs> I ran. He's like, what did you do? I'm like, I ran to every door. Everyone was walking and smoking cigarettes. I was running. I ran. I, dude, I took my clipboard and I ran to every door. Literally ran. Uh, dude, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'll never forget it. I'm running, dude. I'm in like tunnel vision. I'm like hyper-focused kind of person. Like, I don't even care. I don't care where, well, who's opened the door. I'm going to sell on windows. Yeah. Um, and I used to run and I would jump up all the flight of stairs. Like I would run if I saw like seven st stairs, I would try to jump up to the top of the patio. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, had, I remember I had these Nike like 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 shock shoes on. I would always wear them. But like they were like cool. They were black and, and yellow. And I remember I'm running. I'm like, I'm going to get this one. Dude, I, I was the first day. I had like seven appointments. I jumped up. I'm in midair, dude. I get to the top of the porch. As I look up to the top of the porch, this dog is like right here in my face, like with his mouth open. Dude, I see the dog like barking. I kick off the, the <laughs> kicked off the porch. <laughs> I flew on my back. The clipboard like flew out of my hand. The guy opened the door. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I ended up selling him the windows. And then I became friends with the guy. And then all of a sudden, dude, at that point, I was the number one guy in the company for, for six months straight. I was there. Wow. And um, I just figured it out, you know, because that I, I was able to connect with someone in one minute. I was good at that. And I was naturally good at that. I didn't have to pass a test. Dude. I have to read. I just had to be myself. And I was understanding. I, was, I just took the same work ethic, but like it highlighted my gifts that I naturally had. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's important to do. But the only way I figured that out for people listening, the only way you figure that out is by going through the hard shit first, working hard the things you don't want to do really hard. And later, when, the, when it's showtime, you have those tools, you have that mentality, you have that mindset already. So whether it's hard or not, you're going to get through it. And then that's where like the true stuff shows. Yeah. And that's what I started to do. And um, I got an opportunity to become a financial advisor, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm a, to be a, but you can't just like be one. You got to pass tests now. Like you got to be, you got to pass a lot of tests, right? And I'm not a test person. That's just not my thing. Right. And they're like, yo, Jordan, you got to pass seven tests. I'm like, seven tests. And um, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. And I almost gave up, dude. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pass these tests. Dude, when I tell you, 
I rewrote these books for years, man, years. But there was just one test that was really hard. I failed a lot, but I finally passed. But there was just one last test. It was to become like a financial advisor, a fiduciary, to manage people's money. It's a hard test. I rewrote this book for one year straight. When I tell you, dude, I rewrote the book for a year. And I still didn't know what the hell I was writing. My hand would go numb every night. And I just did it every night. I paid this tutor $900 an hour. Dude, I would drive to like the edge of Pennsylvania, New Jersey to meet this guy. He's supposed to be a good tutor. I would sit there with him. I wouldn't know what the hell he was talking about. I'm like, I'm not paying you anymore. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so I stopped paying him. I went back to my room. Like, I got to just rewrite this book, dude. I'm like, I got to rewrite this book. So I kept rewriting the book, rewriting the book, rewriting the book. Finally, after a year, man, I failed 11,000 practice tests. I go in and I take the test. And I failed by one point. One point, oh. man, after a year. And you know that feeling when you put the work in and you just fail? I started to cry in the test center room. Like, and the lady's like, are you all right, sir? I'm like, no. I'm like crying, right? And like, she's like, you, you got to go, sir. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm going, man. I'm going. You know, I get in my car, you know, I'm like, shake. I'm trying to rip my steering wheel off my car, literally in my car. I'm so mad. And I go home. And the way this test works, you got to wait 30 days to pass it. You have to take it again. You can, and then after that, you got to wait six months. And if I wait six months, I'm done, dude. There's no way I can do this again. And um, I go home. My mom's like, Jordan, give your brain a rest, you know? And I'm like, mom, like, I can't. Because if I give my brain a rest, I'm going to forget. And I went upstairs and I Googled what helps you remember more. And it was like blueberries and deodorant. Stop wearing deodorant and get a lot of blueberries. Dude, I'm like, mom, go buy blueberries and get deodorant out of the house. I'm never wearing it again. <laughs> Dude, for 30 days straight, man, I didn't do anything but eat blueberries, didn't wear deodorant. I sat in my room and I just rewrote the book for 30 days straight. That's it. That's all I did. Rewrote it. Went in, took the test again, passed with a 72 on the dot. You need to get 94, right? I got 94 right on the nose, dude. Wow. And I got it done. I became an advisor. Then I became the top producer in the country. I sold the second most life insurance application in the country, including Guam. I qualify for million dollar round table every single year since I've been there. Of eight years I've been there. I have over 4,000 clients. I built, you know, a big practice, Sure, but it wasn't the test. You no, know, it was who I became through all that. You know what I mean? Right. All that stuff doesn't matter. It's, it was like the, the start of like that step ahead program, which got me there. And that's my message. Like, Hey, like, it's not about like what you're doing. It's not about the awards, the money, the whatever, right. It's about who you're becoming and not giving up and, over and over again, like that mentality of just doing it, like that's the stuff you need to focus on because that stuff's what's going to get you through in the long run, you know? Yeah. And then I built a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. You know, I have a lot of real estate that I own. I did that because I'm insane and I had this, ins I, I haven't stopped, dude, it's 2012. So I built this business, insurance business. Then I built a real estate portfolio, which I have, you know, a bunch of garages and apartments and different homes all over the place. You know, I'm closing on one actually September 3rd, another one. Nice. Um, and that, and then I'm traveling, traveling the world, sharing my story, you know, and, um, and it all comes down to the people that believed in me before I believed in myself. And then I realized I had to work hard. And then when you work hard, you see the results and then you start to believe in yourself yeah. and that mentality shifted into my life. And, School is school, you know, nothing in school taught me anything to where I'm at now. But what school did teach me, it taught me that, hey, shit's going to be hard and you got to work through it, you know. And to this day, man, like, I still get anxiety. Like, you know, anxiety is paralyzing, man. Like you start thinking crazy. Like, dude, not too long ago, I was in a rut where, man, like I couldn't sit down on the beach and just relax. Like 
I just would get like anxiety and I would sit there, man. Like, you know, like I couldn't even like, I had so much anxiety, get, like acid reflex and I couldn't deal with it, you know? And it's paralyzed. Even now I'll get it. And you got to work through it. You know, you've got to get out. It. it has a mind of its own. And I realized I beat it once. I'm, I'm going to beat it every time it comes in, you know? That's right. And, and, and that's my story. And I'm, and I'm ready for anything. I'm ready for anxiety. I'm ready for whatever comes my way. Cause I, I beat it already. And I'll just keep, keep beating it. And that's it. Beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I, a lot of different places to dig in, but let's just start with this. When you start to feel your anxiety come on, what does it feel like and what do you do to help quell that or relax? Yeah, dude. So what happens What happens with my anxiety is I'll, feel, I'll start worrying about things that aren't really things to worry about, like little things. That's why I'll start realizing something going on. Like little things will get me like worked up. I'm like, I'm worrying about this. And then I'll start to, I will get like kind of paralyzed, meaning like I can't start something. Like I just sit there and I think, and I think, and I start like thinking, like almost like daydreaming of like bad things in my head and like taking things out of context, thinking irrational, you know what I mean? Like thinking like really negative. And I'll have to like catch myself like Jordan, like these are not real thoughts, you know what I mean? But anyone who has anxiety real knows that like it's not that easy just to say, hey, Jordan, they're not real thoughts. You know what I mean? It's like this internal feeling of like your stomach, your throat, you know, and it's like it's tough. Yeah. And you can't like just sit down at your parents' dinner table and eat pasta because you can't think straight, you know? And a lot of people who don't deal with it don't know how to really and just, oh, just forget about it. Just, so what I realized, I realized that anxiety has like a mind of its own. Like it has, you got to like stop it in its cycle. So like I'll feel it building up a cycle to try to take over my life and try to stop me. And for me, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll go, I, I just keep moving. So like I'll wake up, I'll go to the, I go to the gym every morning. I run, I work out. I do things where I don't let my mind just sit and like think, you know what I mean? Not to the point where I don't relax, but like, I don't let myself, don't let my mind go there. I always keep myself on to the next move. So I'm always like, all right, what's next? What's next? You know, because I'm always doing different things. So to me, the best thing I would say for people who have anxiety and try to catch it and how to control it is you got to take a deep breath, right? You got to look at your life and you got to realize that right now where you're at, the things that you're worrying about with this anxiety aren't actually real right now. They're not real. They're not real things. So I write all the good things down in my life. I write them all down. I got all this real estate. I got clothes in this deal. I got this going on. I write all my positives. I got a healthy child. I got an awesome wife. I got a beautiful family. I write all these things down. I'm like this is this is what it's all about, right? I can't worry about things that didn't happen yet. And then that will help me. And then I'll and then I'll work out. And then slowly I can see myself coming back. Like, hey man, like, like the you know that mindset when you know you know when you're feeling and you're like nothing can stop me today. You know that feeling like, yeah. you know, that's coming back. You know, I'll get up on stage in front of 5 million people. I don't care. I don't even know what I'm going to say like that feeling. Yeah. And, uh, I know when it's coming back and then, you know, when you're about to beat it, you're about to beat your anxiety right at like its worst point. Like right at when it's about to really take over your life. That's where like you beat it right there, right before it takes you down. Like that's where you got to like take it down. And, you got to kind of feel it and then you just do it, man. Then you beat it. And then after you beat it like a few times, you're like, oh, all right, it's coming again. I'll beat it again. And you're not, it's not as bad. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how I, that's how I do it. And when I was younger, my parents would give me medication, like tons of medication. And, and it, it kind of messed me up. Like now I'll, I'm afraid to take an Advil <laughs> because um, I'm afraid what's going to happen with like side effects. So, so like now I, I could take a, a, a pill, I guess, you know, if I had a real bad episode, but, um, 
I'm, 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 I haven't taken one since like sixth grade. So like, I'll just, I'll just figure out a way to get my mind relaxed. You know, I just, I just, I just, just fight it, you know? Yeah. But it, it's, it's, that, it's, it's case by case. Some people that really does help. So there's ways to handle it. What was your initial diagnosis when you were, I guess, tell me about your IEP. So my IEP, so I went to a bunch of doctors, right? One of my diagnoses, so I have ADHD. I'm dyslexic. Same. My, re- my reading comprehension, like I when I read something, I don't really comprehend it that well until maybe like 15 times. Um, you know, my auditory processing, like when someone says something, I'm like, wait, wait, wait what'd you say? Like, I got to like, I got, I, I didn't hear it. I got to hear it again. Um, one doctor diagnosed me with agitated depression, right? I never heard of that one. I actually recently read one of my IEPs. I was like, mom, I have agitated depression. She's like, yeah, one of that guys said that. I'm like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. Right. But that's all these diagnoses, right. Are kind of like them taking their best guess on what's going on with me, right. you know? So, but I'm definitely dyslexic. I know I am. I'm definitely have an auditory pride. I definitely have ADHD. I can't sit still. I can't like my brain's all over the place, but, but those things I've learned to use that as my advantage in my life. So in school, it might be like this thing where it kind of holds you back. Like my EP, like I thought it held me back, but really it was an advantage later in my life. And that's the truth. You know, your struggle is your strength every time. That's where it comes from. That's where your strength comes from, from all the struggle, you know? Mm. So you don't know that when you're a kid. But you, I figured it out now, and that's what I share in my story with these kids. I'm like, hey, dude, man, you guys rewriting your your notes over and over. That's your strength right there. You messing up, you you reading out loud and, and messing up all the words. People laughing. That's your strength. Like you, like you got to smile when that happens, you know. And and that was all. That was in my IEP. You know, like a behavioral issue. I'm a, I'm a distraction to the class. I'm really not good in the classroom. I shouldn't be there. I should go sit by myself and you know, independent uh, study. You know, all these things, but that was basically my diagnosis, you know, and do I think they're, they're, they're all right. I don't think they're all right. I think some of them are, and I think they all helped me get here, you know? Yeah. I love what you said. You turned your struggles into your strengths. That's a really cool paradigm shift, right? As when you take something and then you're like, you know what? No, 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 no. Yeah. I have ADHD. It might be tough for me to sit in this chair, but I'm going to use that energy as my superpower. That's going to be the thing that propels me over all these right. other people when they're ready to quit and give up here i am sprinting right. to these doors or writing these books right. or like right. yeah that's an incredible incredible thing yeah man like like it's just just like you got to use it like people and people feed off your energy you know what i mean like if you have energy like people want to be there man yeah if you have a lot of energy people don't like it man then, then they might walk away from you but so what you know <laughs> but like it is or it is like they like you just gotta like like feel it. Like I just want to feel it. I'm like I'm up. I'm I'm up early. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready just to go. You know, and it's just been nonstop for me since I figured. I since I passed that 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 comma test and the punctuations. But uh, you know, and and it's true. Your struggle is your strength. You know, everything you go you're going through that you beat it one time. You beat it once. You'll beat it again. And I'm always I always know I can beat it now. Like whatever comes my way, I can beat it. If there's a test, I'll beat it. If I got to close a real estate deal and I'm nervous, I'm scared and the pipes look bad. I know the pipes are going to burst because it happened to me already. I bought a house, all the pipes burst. I had to figure it out. You know, I had to figure out so many things and I'm like, whatever, let's do it. You know, I'll figure it out. And now I'm, now I'm fearless. So are you still managing money and doing the real estate full time in addition to the speaking engagements? So, yeah. So I, I still have my insurance business. I do that. I, um, yeah, I do all that. And I, um, and I, and I, and I manage all my properties myself right now. And um, yeah, I'm speaking, like I'm doing all of it. 
and I wrote a book. I got to publish it. I just haven't been able to publish it yet. But yeah, I'm doing it all. Like I'm doing it all. Like I just got done working right before I got on here. I got done at eight and I just, boom, I put my computer on and switched right over, you know? And, uh, it's just like, uh, that, that's just, I'm just, and then I'll go to bed and I'll wake up at four in the morning. I'll go to the gym and I'll start over again. You know? <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> savage. The kids are savage. That's it, man. Like, I'm kind of lonely, you know, I don't do, I don't drink. I don't do anything. You know, I had a lot of, um, I lost some friends to heroin, you know, um, you know, it's, so I, you know, when I was in college, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, back in 2012, 2011, you know, opiates weren't like a known thing yet. Like that they were really bad. Right. Like, you know, I would come, I would come back and my friends would all like be like, I would, I had this paranoia from pills from being a little kid. So I would never do anything. You know, I was in college. I'm like, I'm not, I won't take an Advil, dude, let alone a pill. I don't know what it is. And like all these kids were taking like, you know, what was it? It was, they were calling their blues. They were called blues back in the day. And Oxycontin, all this thing, you know, it was the beginning of this era of like opiates. Right. And dude, like all my, my, my best friend passed away four years ago. Like they all got hooked on this stuff, man. And, uh, wow. you know, it kind of like, like I lost a lot of friends, you know, even, even like, you know, I, lo I lost, I lost a lot of friends and like, I kind of like went on my own. Like I, I I'm, I, they're like a lot of them are gone and some are still here, but they're not really still here. You know what I mean? They're still fighting the battle. And they're not, back with it yet you know um i try to help a lot of them but i have one cool really cool um success story that you guys will like this like my best friend growing up got addicted um and uh bad man real bad like bad like homeless bad like he was basically he was homeless but like he's an awesome salesperson like i i could see like i could see, you know when you could see someone's got a gift right mm -hmm. and i would tell him like dude you got a gift man like you're kind of crazy looking. You're crazy. You're crazy looking. You know, you're quirky, but you have like this thing where people are going to like want to talk to you, but you also have no concept of, um, like he has no concept of like censorship. Like he'll say anything to anybody, right? That's good and bad. <laughs> but like, and when you're a salesperson, it's good because you have no, you have no idea. Like he doesn't even care. He has no idea. He doesn't care what he says, but that's a really good trait when like you're selling. And I'm like, dude, you're good. You'd be really successful. But you got to get off these drugs. And I was doing well at this point in my life. It was like probably four years ago. And he called me and said, dude, I need you to co-sign my car. Right. And I'm like, man, and like, it's my best friend, you know, and like co-signing a car. Like if I co-sign that car, if he doesn't pay, I'm in trust. My credit's on there. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I said no first I'm sitting down eating dinner. I'm like, damn, man, I, maybe I should give him a chance, man. Someone gave me a chance one day. I'll give him a chance. I drove all the way out to where he was. He's basically homeless. So I co-signed his car for him. And I said, listen, if I co-sign your car and you go back to drugs, I'll come into your house and take the car. It's my car. Right? Yeah. I'll pay the payment. And he's like, no, man, I'm not giving you drugs. Dude, I called this kid every single day, right? Every day. Every day I called him. Made sure he wasn't using drugs and was working. I pumped him up. I tell him, wear, I said, wear a shirt and tie every day, dude, when you go into office. Look good. Feel good. Sell, man. Sell. He's, dude, he was homeless on a couch. Dude, he worked his way up in, this, in, 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 the, in the business that he was in. Worked his way to the top, got a new job as a director, worked his way on the top there. Now, five years later, he's making 250000 a year plus doing whatever he wants, right? And he came from homeless on, dude, on, on heroin, on heroin and crack, literally. And he came back, man, and made the best comeback I've ever seen in my life. And I called him every day, man. And I, I, I used to pump him up before his meeting, like, dude, you're the best salesman I ever lived. Go in there and sell it. And he'd be like, all right, fine, <laughs> we hang up. 
And I'm like, did you sell? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Like, it wasn't even about the money. It was just like, this, like the progress, you know? And dude, he's, he's literally unstoppable now. And he, he stopped drinking, stopped doing everything. Like he just, just, just focuses on himself and he, he works out as best he can, but, but, but he, but he went from homeless to that, man. That that's, that's kind of the one friend I got left, you know, that's on the same kind of track that I'm on that we, I communicate with. Yeah. And I also had a lot of, I had a few good mentors in my life that um, helped me with the real estate a lot. Some guys I ran into in the gym. One of my buddies I ran into the gym is a good friend of mine now. He really, uh, he guided me with a lot of my real estate deals because I really didn't know what I was doing. And he was like, he was more experienced and he was, I learned everything from him. And sometimes you need someone in your life kind of to, you know, guide you a little bit. You, you can't get there alone, you know? And um, so that's, that's, that's it, man. I got like two friends left, but, uh, but sometimes you got two good friends is all you need, you know? Yeah. For sure. I wanted to ask you about the people that believed in you along the way because you talked about one of the first people who believed in you that wasn't your mom. And I think for me, like there's there's so much that I connect with in your story. We have different diagnosis, but there's so much of what you went through that maybe the circumstances were different, but I also felt that. And I, I also felt that even growing up, like something about me was like, oh, this is a comeback story. Like, I'm not supposed to win, but here I am out working and doing it and grinding, right? And I, right, right? and I think one of the things that you touched on was this feeling of when it's somebody that's not your family. Like, you know, hopefully people are lucky enough where they've got a mom or a dad who believes in them, not just because it's their mom or dad, but they really believe that their kid is like capable of doing great things, right? But some people don't have that growing up, right? Or some people they grow up and then it makes such a big difference when somebody finally looks at them and says, you know what, this isn't like my mom or my dad who they've got to love me, right? But this person is choosing to believe in me and they're saying, I see what you're doing and I see something in you. And then when they foster that within you, like what a big difference that can make. So can you talk about some of those people who believed in you along the way that you would attribute a lot of this to? Because without them, like, would you be standing here today? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're right. hundred percent right. Yeah. When you hear from somebody else, like when you hear from like your mom or your dad, if like you said, if you're lucky enough to have that, you're like, yeah, that's my mom. She loves me anyway, no matter what. I could do anything. She'll tell me you're the best. Yeah. You know? It doesn't matter. Like you're the best. You're the best snowboard I've ever seen. If I I'll fall down 50 times, she's like, you're going to the X Games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, you know, or like, yo, you look good today. I look crazy, you know, but, um, yeah. Um, so it was really like, my mom was like in the back of my mind, believing in me, but it was the different feeling I had was when I remember the school psych, uh, the, uh, the social worker when I was in college, she said to me, Jordan, listen, forget the IQ, man. You, you have a really high EQ. Like, uh, you know, I forget what EQ even means. Emotional right? intelligence, but I think. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. And um, she kept saying that to me, I'm like, I don't know who that is, but whatever. But she would just tell me, like, she, what she would really do is highlight, like, my traits, my good traits. Like, she didn't focus on the things I was bad at. She always would highlight the things that I'm good at, you know? And people, you remember the way people make you feel, you know, when you talk to them, right? Yeah. You remember that. You don't remember what they really say. Like, it's how they made you feel while you were talking to them. Yeah. And, like, if you're in a room, like, pretty vulnerable talking to somebody, no one, they don't know you, but they're just talking about the good things that you have, you're like, that you feel good about yourself. And that was the first time someone other than my mom was making me feel good about myself. And I'm like, like, I was always like, man, I'm five foot four. Doctor, my, my twin brother's five, nine. I can't even get that right. I mean, I'm not, I can't even get tall, you know, <laughs> let alone anything else. 
and I was always pissed, you know? And like this lady was telling me like, you know, hey, you connect with people. Everyone here likes you, Jordan. Like you're very, you have charisma. All these things I never knew that like I had that were actually good. And um, when I felt, and then I would go to tutors and I remember my tutor saying to me, like, hey, Jordan, you can do this. Like you can do this. It just takes you a little longer, but you can do this. And like, it was somebody else believing. It was these people like were believing in me and that like forced me, like when I would be alone in the library, I would be like, yeah, I can do this. Like that teacher said, I'm good at this. That te- this, she said I was good at that. You know, I might be not be the best student, but I'm going to be something outside of school. Like I would tell myself that like, I'm going to be something outside of here. And this is just where it starts. And it was that encouragement that kind of helped me. So like those people, man, like they don't, I go back and speak to the class every now for 10 years, dude, I graduated in 2012 for the past 10 years. I've gone back and talked to the people coming in as freshman into the step program i tell my story because i was the angriest student ever going in there <laughs> ever like i was angry man like my dad took me to walmart and bought me a pillow i took the pillow i remember i got out of the car and i threw it in like the middle of the parking lot at the program i was i was, I was the angriest student ever and i tell the kids this but then i also tell them this place changed my life literally right you gotta like those people like as much as like i talked to them all i still talk to someone like you guys don't understand what you did for me like you guys believed in me and then also supported me yeah. in school, but also highlighted like my who I really was inside. And that's like a game changer. When someone opens up those doors in your mind, like I, could, I would never be where I'm at today if it wasn't for the step hitter program at Centenary. And it's a very small school in the middle of Hackettstown, New Jersey. No one even knows it. But it that place is like, a, like I'll do anything for Centenary. Anything. I go back there and speak for 10 years now for free. I, I never charge. I go back all the time and just do it for free because they give me like water bottles and like, and like, um, like mugs and stuff. And I'm like, thanks, but like, I don't even want it. I'm here because this place saved my life, you know? Yeah. And I, I really, you know, as much as my mom was a huge part of my life and helping me, those people were just as important. Something else you touched on that I think is really interesting is the notion of going to college and then it's not necessarily what you learn unless you're studying to become like a doctor or something, then you got to know the really technical stuff. Right. But I I mean, I'm sure that you can say the same thing. Like I know so many people that went to school that either didn't do their major, like finished, graduated, and then did something totally different or whatever the case may be. They just, they took their life in a different direction. But, and I, and I think, what was less important was all the quizzes and the tests and like, I don't do anything math related now, but um, learning those study habits and then becoming that person that's faced with this challenge. How am I going to pass this test if I don't know anthropology or or whatever it is? Right. And then studying to become that and developing those habits. I think that's what the p- whole point of college is, honestly, is like, because once you have that degree, it doesn't really matter what the job is unless it's something like no. super like niche but like if you're gonna be a lawyer a doctor or a nurse that's about right it. or a cpa that's it There's nothing else yeah any but anything else you just need that piece of paper and you just need to have hustled and i think you're a perfect embodiment of that and i love that yeah man that's the truth and and and, and that's it man like it's, it's not about the grade it's not about what college you go to it's none of that it's about hey it's about how much how gritty you are you know and what you learn along the way like, hey, like, I couldn't even read the vocab words in, in the psychology book, but I like somehow figure out, I had, I figure out to pass the test. And when you, when you figure out things like that, man, like buying real estate and figuring out if I'm going to make money or not is not that hard compared to writing a, a, a psychology paper. I don't even know what I'm even typing. You know what I mean? It's like, all I got to do is do like a little bit of adding and subtracting and figure out what things cost. And I come up with a number. I mean, that's easy, you know? And, and I just, uh, you know, I, 
but all the skills that I've learned, like, and also a co- really good thing about college is you learn how to be like independent in your own way. Like you learn, like your mom's not there telling you to get up for class. Nobody's really there that, that's pushing you. You got to learn how to push yourself. Yeah. Like you got to move. Like you got to have time management. You got to have a schedule. Like you got to be like, you got to be able to say, no, dude, like I got a test coming up. I can't go out tonight. I just can't. Like, I got I to do this, even though it's hard to do that. But you learn a lot about yourself and who you are in college too. Like you make a, kind of big choices on your own. You know, there's a lot of peer pressure, a lot of stuff going on. And the choices you make in college are really important because you can make some really bad choices. Like I've been around it. All my friends got hooked on opiates, all of them and throughout through college. It was all in college, nowhere else. Yeah. And they all got hooked. And some of them battling it now for 15 years. And, uh, you know, those are the choices that last forever. So like you, you learn how to make choice and you see really what happened like 10 years ago when what happens now. So, you know, college is important for that reason. I know a lot of people don't push it because like, oh, you don't need college now. And, and maybe you don't need college now, but you do need to know how to work hard. You do need to know how to have time management. You do need to know how to problem solve and you do need to know how to be social and connect with people, you know, and make friends. Like you need to know how to do that. Right. Because like in college, you, you know, you don't know anybody. You got to make friends, yeah, and you got to know how to do that because everybody wants to be friends, you know. So when you can make friends with people, like, and just be yourself, like that's like a, the best asset in the world, you know. And you learn that in college, yeah. and then the grades, whatever. Like I wouldn't remember college, you know, <laughs> what I learned. <laughs> do you remember your first speaking engagement? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. What are you? Yeah. What are you? Yeah. Dude, I got a. I wanted to be, a, I'm, like, I'm going to be a speaker. I'm like, I'm a speaker now, you know? So I, um, I typed this bio up, right? And I read it. I'm like, I don't know if this makes sense, but I'm, I'm typing it up. I wrote it up and I started email. I bought a list of every high school in the United States. I bought it for like 45 bucks, right? And I would stay up to three in the morning and email my bio, speaker, email my bio, speaker, right? All to every principal. I found every principal and I would just do it all night long, dude, to the point where like, I bought like blue light glasses and my eyes were like turning red. And I just did this for hours, dude. After like nine months, I got an email. We want you to come speak. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going. I don't care where this is, dude. I get the email and it says uh, West Covina, right? I'm like, it's Covina. Where the hell is that? <laughs> I'm like Googling. Uh, I'm in New Jersey. I'm like, it's in California. I write back. I'll be there. They're like, listen, our budget is 500 bucks. I'm like. All right, whatever. And the flight was 500 bucks, right? The flight was 600 bucks. So I'm negative like 100 right off the bat. I'm like, I'll be there. Don't worry. And I had to get a hotel room too, right? So I'm negative. Like, I ended up being negative like 500 bucks to go here. But I was like, listen, Jordan, I'm going to be negative on the money. I don't care about the money. I really care about the message, number one. And I care about the experience, right? Yeah. And I was scared, dude, because it was 700 kids. I never spoke in front of anyone ever in my life, right? Ever. But they don't know that, right? That's the cool part about being a speaker and being whoever you can be, whoever you want. That's so cool about, about being a business owner. It's my business. I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I'm getting the mic and I'm just, I'm going to do my yeah, thing. Right. And that's yeah. it. And I'm like, I'm going hop on a plane to Cali, dude. I'm sitting on the plane. I just spent 650 bucks. I remember sitting there. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm a speaker. I'm going to speak for, and lose money. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> dude, I walk into the gymnasium, right? And the guy gives me the mic and I see like 700 kids do come pouring in. I'm looking at everybody. And dude, when I tell you, dude, I have no clue what I'm going to say. I don't even know what I'm going to say. I'm going, I'm just going to, I'm like, I can do this. Right. But you think you can do it until like 700 kids are looking at you got the mic. And then you're like, oh shit, I got to do something here. They're all expecting me to say something right now. 
Dude, I walk out to like the, the California school. Everything's like outdoors. I walk out the door for a second, take a deep breath, and I'm like standing in the middle of a field. And I'm like, these people are never going to know who I am or see me again. Probably I'm just going to go. I got to let a guy just do this, right? Dude, I go on the mic. I just start doing whatever. It's just telling my story. Doing, I'm not polished at all. I, just, I never spoke before. I have no idea even how I sound. <laughs> in the middle of my talk, dude, the freaking fire alarm goes off. All the kids start running out, right? And like, I was kind of like relieved because I'm like, shit, I didn't even know I was going to say next, you know, thank God that fire. So the kids go like running out of the gymnasium and I'm like looking around the mic, like what the hell is going on? I'm like, should I keep going? So I just keep going. Right. They're like, it's a drill. It's a drill. So they don't start going back. I'm just keep going. I'm just talking to, I end up doing the whole thing. Right. <laughs> I get done. Everyone's like clapping for, I don't even know if they knew what I said. I get done. And I, uh, I'm done with it, dude. And I shake the guy's hand who hired me. He gives me a check for 500 bucks. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and I leave, dude. And I go, I get my Uber and I go back to my hotel. I go to, I go to the gym and the gym and I go to bed and I go to bed and I wake up and I fly home. And dude, I was like, I, I, I wrote an email to the guy. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun. You know, my first, I didn't tell him my first one, but I was like, it was great. Dude, like weeks go by, no response from the guy. I get an email from like four kids and they're like, Hey Jordan, I just want to tell you, man, I was right there. I heard everything you said. You, you helped me so much. I'm going to go to college. I doubt it. And I got these emails of these kids actually like understanding what I said. And they were like, thank you so much. I was crying. Like, I didn't even know. And they were all like thanking me, like almost like I gave them like hope to hang on to. Like I never had any hope before. And that that's when I realized how important the message was because all these kids that are hopeless right now, struggling in the same things I struggle with, and they need some type of proof that they're going to make it. And that was the proof. Hey, I got to keep going. And I got these awesome emails back. And that's when I realized, like, I got to do this. Yeah. I got to keep doing this. And that was my first one. My first one was 700 people, dude. And I was, I was like, I can do 7,000 now, you know? And then <laughs> it doesn't matter now. That first one is 700. I didn't even know what I was doing. And then, dude, I started going to high schools. And it started kind of taking off a little bit. And then it just kind of took off at that point with the speaking. You know, I went to, uh, I went to Canada. I went to Florida. I went to a big, a big conference in Florida. I went to Oklahoma, Arkansas, went to all these cool places. And I slow, every time I got up there, I got better. You know, you just get better, you get better, you get better. Yeah. And then, and that was it. Dude. And then the rest is history. And then I created a TikTok, and all of a sudden I had a, a couple million views on a few videos out of nowhere. And all of a sudden I had 200,000 followers, which was during the pandemic. I was just in my house making TikTok. I never thought anything of yeah. it. And that's what happened. So it was really crazy, man. It was a crazy ride, but it all goes back to like going to centenary and those people believing in me. And like, I hung on to that, you know, even going to that school and talking like that, that belief is still inside me. I believe in myself so much to at this point where like, like I'll get up and do anything just for the experience. Like just to learn from it. Even if I fall on my face, like I'm going to do it because I'll figure out a way to get out of the corner or work my way out of the hole. Like, I'll just figure it yeah. out. And uh, <laughs> that's the best part about it. <laughs> Two things. I love that you, sent out all these emails saying, yeah, I'm the speaker, I'm a speaker, I'm a speaker, and then show up and had nothing prepared. You're just like, give me the microphone, give me the ball, I'm going to cook. Let me do my thing. That's it, dude. <laughs> That's it. My, and my, I remember my dad going like this to me, Jordan, you got to have something, but no cards. I'm like, Dad, I don't got no cards. He's like, what are you going to say? I'm like, I don't know yet. He's like, this is crazy, Jordan. This is crazy. You can't be going to schools like that. This is crazy. You know? <laughs> And um, he's like, Jesus Christ. Cause my dad's real funny. He says funny things like, Jesus Christ, goodbye. Tell me how it goes, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then I just, I would just do it, man. I, and I actually did that, dude. I did that a lot, like in the beginning. 
Like I would like if you if you ever get like a speaking coach, like I haven't got a coach before, but on Clubhouse one time, this guy was like, Hey Jordan, like how do you prepare? I'm like, well, in the beginning, I just winged it. He's like, Don't you ever say that. You never wing a speed. I'm like, I winged it, dude. I winged a lot of them and they were great. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I just gotta wing it. Sometimes the best things you ever say is winging it. Man. Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, and then that's it, man. It's just it's just been like a fun ride. But I've been, dude, I've been helping so many kids with the message, which is really important to me. Like, I don't want any of these kids to slip through the cracks. Like, I want them to figure it out now. Like, I don't want them to wait till they're eighteen. I don't want them to, to figure it out like later in life. I want them to figure it now, like in middle school and high school, because when they figure it out right there, like at that point, they can cover so much ground at that point. You know what I mean? Like. Like, if they believe in themselves, like, when they're 15, you know, like, if I believed in myself when I was 15, like, I don't know where else I would have gone, like, just the way my life played out at this point. But, like, like what if I did? Like, what if I believed in myself when I was 13, 14? Like, maybe, like, things would have been different. Maybe I wouldn't have gone through the things I went through and I wouldn't be where I'm at now. But maybe I would be even further. I don't know. Right. But I want to catch these kids, like, at that point where, like, even to the point, like, I know a lot of kids with, with suicide and you know, they, they get down on themselves because of, of, of not doing well in school and not feeling like and feeling in the resource room. I get a lot of DMs, like private DMs from a lot of kids. And like, they, I gotta, I gotta remind them, Hey dude, this is like, your struggle is your strength right here. This is everything. This is your foundation. Like you're feeling like this, this is like, this is like your, this is your life. This is like where you pivot and like you use this, this is your springboard. Like this is not where it ends, you know? And, 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 and you have all those gifts, you have them inside you, but you got to work hard to uncover them. And, I encourage the kids like that because I don't want anyone to fall behind. Like I, I was this close to falling behind and look where I got just because someone believed in me, someone outside my family. So yeah. that's why I like, I, I, I believe everybody can make it no matter what, like, dude, no matter how bad it is inside your own head, no matter what, like you can make it, like you make, you can make it out. And that's like, that's, that's what I want to make sure I do. I, I want to catch everybody. You know, I don't want anyone falling. And I think that's why I connect a lot with what you do and your message is because what you're doing, and I've seen some of um, the things that you've published online and in some of your other bios, you talk about wanting to be for these kids the person that you wish you had. And you're trying to be what you needed when you were growing up. And I see that and I'm like, that's what I try to do with other people as well is like, I might have my personal uh, battles with depression or whatever it might be, but the thing that makes me feel good is helping other people through their things and, and, right, and right. being for other people what I always wish that I had. And I think it takes a certain type of person to do that. And I just have a lot of respect and admiration for anybody like yourself that's like, you know what, I didn't have this stuff, but I'm going to go out and create that for somebody else because I know what a difference it finally made in my life when someone did see me and I had that visibility and someone believed in me. Now I'm going to go do that for these other kids. And when those DMs start, I, 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 I got to think that's the best feeling in the world to you. Dude, it's the best, man. And like, I write back, like, I got like, like I write back and like sometimes I'll, I'll voice talk back because I'm not a good writer. So like, I'm like, I'm listening to you. I'm not going to make sense if I write it. So I'm just going to talk it and I'll like talk it, man. And like, like those messages, man, like, if I'm having a bad day, a bad week, I'm like, man, like I got to keep posting these videos. Like this one mom sent me a message. She's like, you have no idea. All your videos on TikTok, my son watches every one of them. And he would never be where he's at right now if it wasn't for your videos. And I like, you know, when you post, you don't think so much of it. Like, I just think about how I felt when I was younger. And I always kind of spew that of like how I felt. And I try to get to the message that way. Right. But you don't realize that these kids are like, like, you know, when you have a feeling like, you know, you're not feeling right. 
And then you see a video on TikTok or, or Facebook and you're like, wait a minute, that guy understands me. You know, that guy can said something that, that like, I felt that, you know, like a song or a quote, you felt yeah. it like, like people hear what you're saying. Like there's people that are going through the same stuff. And I've realized that like, and they reach back out to me and like, I, I love it. Like I, I want to hear like these comeback stories. I want to hear these kids and, and like, so they change, I want them to change the way they see themselves. Like you're not the kid with the IEP. Like, you always, but that you're the kid with the IEP, but that's your strength, right? That's, that's it. Like, don't be ashamed, but be proud of right. it. And that's, these kids are doing, I'm getting these messages from these moms. Like he's like, they're proud of their IEP. They don't want, they're not, they're not so negative about it anymore. And, and then with that mindset, with hard work comes self-belief. And then as you start believing yourself, you start to work harder and harder and harder. And then like, literally the rest is history. Like, that's it. Like it's over. They believe in themselves. They have confidence. Like, that's that's it and like they're gonna have battles but they know they're gonna know how to beat them because they're beating them right now yeah. and that's 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 what i want to do and like if i can help these kids one you know out of 700 four of them got back to me out of that insane speech i, I was good you know i was a good one for me yeah because even if you know it's like even if you reach one person in the crowd if you see a crowd of kids they're gonna be on their phones they're gonna be you know messing right, around right, right. But man, those couple kids that are sitting there like taking notes or just like looking at you like you're Jesus Christ up there on stage, you know, right, right. like um, yeah, that right. makes it all worth it because you're reaching that and like whoever's sitting in there, like they're they're meant to hear that message. You know what I mean? They are. They are, man. That's why like stories are important. Like your story, like everybody's story is so important. I really believe like, everyone like, dude, like I posted about this, like the good thing about sharing your story is that. Number one, you get it off your chest, right? Because like we all have a story we want to tell it because it's kind of sometimes it's inside us. We've got to get it out. Another thing is somebody's going to relate to it and you're going to help someone with it. Like you got to share it. Like a story is like a powerful thing. It's real. Like those things are real stories. Like you beat, you beat something like now you want to talk like that's like awesome. Like that's, 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 that's why the people are safe. You're saving people every day. You tell us your story and and it's it's hard to do it it's hard to remember that but it's the truth it really is tell me about your book plug that up oh uh, dude so my book man so like i'm not a good writer like you guys know I, i'm not but dude i wrote this book man it took me like a year to write it i woke up at four in the morning every morning and i was like all right i'm gonna write a chapter every morning i did that I wrote a chapter wrote a chapter wrote a chapter then i found this girl that um that i knew was a really good writer in college I'm like, listen, I don't want you to change my book. I wrote it. It's 30 chapters, mm-hmm. right? I think there's 30,000 words in it. And I basically go through so much more detail of my life and I write things out. And I kind of like, I really, I wrote a, I really, it's a really good book. And I said, hey, listen, I'll pay you 400 bucks to edit the book. Don't change, don't change anything I said. I don't want you to change. I just want to make sure the commas, the periods, and there's no spelling error. That's yeah. it. I don't want to change my flow, everything. I wrote this book the way that I talk. And that's it. I want it to be real. I wrote it, dude. The book is written. It's done. I actually let this 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 published author read it. I'm like, hey, dude, can you just read my book? Give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Dude, he called me up. He's like, dude, you got to publish that book. That book is awesome. He's like, bro, the way you wrote it, the, the he's like, I'm telling you, put it on Amazon. I loved it. He's like, put that book. I'm like, dude, all right. So I, so I got to publish it. It costs like six grand to publish it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I got to do it. I just haven't been doing it because I spent all my money. I'm, I'm my fifth home right now. I'm, I'm literally like <laughs> insane. I don't know. I'm fixing pipes for 14 grand. I'm trying to publish a book and I'm, I'm literally, and I'm selling insurance. It's insane. I'm trying, trying to, I need six grand, but I need six grand for other things right now too. So it's, it's insane. And, um, but I have it, it's ready to go. I just have to publish it. 
but um you know when i when i heard the feedback from like that author like the way he, he like like he was like dude i'm not just blowing smoke i'm like dude are you messing with me i was like dude, because he's a cool guy i'm like you could tell me it sucks dude. i don't care I'm, I'm cool with everything you know he's like no man you're not a writer but you wrote that book insanely well i'm like that's insane i'm like does it make sense he goes jordan it makes perfect sense publish the damn book so i'm gonna publish it um i just gotta, I gotta what's do the it. book called do it. what's the title it's called i'm just a kid with an IEP. Hey. <laughs> and i want dude i want to i want to have the cover i want to get a cover i'm, I'm going to try to figure this out i think it's a really cool cover how i want the covers on my mom behind me right then i want half my body dressed like how i used to dress in high school just like like a kid and then half my body in like a suit. And then when I'm just kidding, I, I think it would be really cool. I like cover, yeah. you know, we're like drawing and cover. So I got this, I got this photographer. Like I want to like kind of create it somehow. Yeah. So I'm going to try and figure it out. But, uh, it's, uh, and then I'm going to pop when I publish it, you'll see, you know, I'll publish it. I'm hopefully when I move into, I'm moving into a new house in, in like October and I'm going to start calming down and working on some other things. But I, I want to get the book out there because I can, you know, more kids can, their parents can read the book to their kids. They can read the book. It's a really easy read. Like I don't, I don't, I don't write in big words. There's no word in there that I can't spell or pronounce. You right. know what I mean? So, uh, so it's, it's an easy book. I just want to get it out there, get it out to the kids and, and publish it. That's awesome, man. Plug your TikTok and your Instagram. Both of them are just at, I'm just a kid with an IEP, right? That's it, man. That's it. Or Jordan told me, you can find me both ways. Or just Jordan told Perfect. What's your next speaking engagement? Do you have anything up in coming down the pipes? Yeah, there's a program in October. It's it's a conference. Um, it's a conference for kids. It's a, it's about it's gonna be about three to four or five hundred kids, and then they're gonna have the staff. And it's a pretty cool organization. They they're a program that works with kids after like school with kids with learning disabilities that are struggling in school, also struggling outside of school, maybe just getting into trouble or maybe a tough family life, whatever it is. But it starts in this classroom, and they're a really cool organization. They reached out, and I'm doing a conference in October there. It's virtual. They're in, um, they're in Connecticut. And then I got a bunch of stuff lined up. I think I'm going to Oklahoma in the new school year coming up. I don't know yet with this whole COVID thing. We'll see some in Texas, got a bunch of things out there, but everything's kind of falling on if, uh, they're going to do in person or not. And I'm All hoping right. it's in person, dude. You know, I just got back from South Carolina, which was awesome. Dude, it was a gym, man. It was like 400 people in the gym. It was hot <laughs> and it was fun, man. And it was good. The kids were good. It's this, it was a really cool school. This girl. This woman, she had a kid that was struggling in school, but he, he wasn't getting the proper accommodations. Dude, she went out, got the grants, created her own school and has a full-blown school now. Got the grants, built the school, Oh my God. put all the money in. It was an awesome story, man. And now she's got like literally like she's got like she's got like so I think it's seventh, eighth, not, seventh, eighth and ninth or she got like four grades, right? But teachers, gym class, basketball hoops are like a legit school. She built it all on her own and had no experience, created an entire school. It's awesome. It's called uh, Pace Academy in South in Columbia, South Carolina. But all, you know, she had grit. You know, she was like, hey, listen, my son's not getting the help. My son needs the accommodation, needs the right people in his life. I'm going to go make that happen. And she created a school. So it's an awesome story. So I just spoke there. I did that for free because um, she reached out. She's like, listen, it's not my budget right now. I'm like, I'm like I'll come do it because I like what you're doing. So I flew out there. You know, I did it. I literally, dude, I flew out there. I got up at three in the morning, flew to South Carolina, got on stage, went back to this hotel, passed out, woke up and flew home. <laughs> when you, I went right back when you go on these trips, 
do you have to buy the flight yourself or do most of the time at this point, are these places taking your accommodations like your hotel and your flights and getting that stuff for you? Yeah. Most of the time they'll pay, they'll pay for the flight and they'll pay it to, and they'll pay for the, um, the nice. hotel. So I'll factor it into the price. So I'll be like, Hey, this is the speaking fee and this is hotel and flight and I'll factor it in and then, and then I'll pay for it. Hmm. But the cool thing about the virtual is there is no flying. Like I literally could speak to 700 people in in my my you know in my house yeah, yeah and i don't have to get on an airplane you know if traveling is like tiring you know i like, get on an airplane like the whole airport thing that's like that's like a it's crazy it's a long process like i like it though i like it i'd rather do it but sometimes i'm like hey i got four speaking engagements in one month and i could do is all virtual and get paid the same way like i'm not i'm not doing it for the money but i'm doing it for the for the message right. but it's also really convenient for me to do it so sometimes like virtual is kind of cool, but I feel like I don't get like the same connection. You know, I want to be there with the kids. I want to be like, you know, like ask me questions now, you know, like, let's go. You know, I don't want to leave yeah. yet. So um, a lot of the kids are kind of scared to ask questions though. So sometimes the parents do it, but I, I really encourage them to ask me questions. I like being there. Do you sleep ever? No, dude. Like, I don't, like, I don't even know what time. Like, what time is even now? Like, like, dude, right after this, dude, I'm going to go upstairs. Like, I'm going to get like, I'm going to make a nice peanut butter sandwich, dude. I just want to eat it. <laughs> And just sitting in my kitchen table, dude, and just like <laughs> and look up like rental properties, and then I'll probably like I don't know, I'll, I'll probably go to bed. I go to bed like I'll go to bed like maybe tonight, like eleven, and I wake up at four. Yeah. No alarm, just wake up, get up, and I drink a cup of coffee. And I go right to the gym, and then I work out. I come home and then I go right to work. Well, I wash my son. I feed him breakfast. My wife rides the Peloton. She gets off the Peloton. She takes Reese. And I go right to work and then I'm working all night long again. And that's, that's, that's what I do. Or I'm going to a speak engagement or I'm going to look at a property. Or I'm going to sell some insurance. And then I do auto insurance, home insurance. I'm always doing something, yeah. you know, and, um, just always, always, you know, always working. And I can't, uh, I can't sleep that much. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you've got an active brain, it's hard to turn it off sometimes. It's hard, mm-hmm. man. You know, it's kind of a curse sometimes too. You know, it's not always the easiest thing to deal with. You know, it's like, I'm always like, I can never really like, not that I don't mind doing it. Like I like being this way, but like sometimes it's nice to like, let it go. I can't let it go. You know, I feeling I can't stop thinking about like, all right, I gotta buy another house. I, I gotta buy another one. You know, I need, I need 10 by 37. Like, that's my, I'm not 10, you know, I'm like, I gotta buy, I, like, I gotta figure this yeah. out. Like I gotta do another speaking engagement. I gotta get in front of more kids. I gotta make another TikTok video. You know, it's, it's a lot. And then I have 4,000 clients I'm dealing with my other stuff. You know, it's like, I'm like, I'm like, who am I? You need an assistant. <laughs> right. I do. I do. And then, and like, I've had, I've hired people too. I had a lot of fun. Dude. I hired a lot of my, my friends and it didn't work out. You know, it's a tough thing yeah. to do. Like, they're still my good friends, but I hired them. I gave them a shot. We all had fun in there, but nope, we weren't making money. I was literally paying them and losing money. I was like, dude, guys, I'm losing like, 3,000 a month right now and you guys are my boys but we're playing golf and shooting hoops in the bed in the, in the office and i'm not working and i'm and you guys aren't selling like i can't do this and like we're still friends but i had to fire all my buddies <laughs> you've given us so much quotes and things that i'll remember i mean things that people will remember right but give me your realist talk i mean just lay it down just go off for a minute or two the truest things about life or people, about hard work, about yourself. Give us your realest talk. The realest things about life is this: like people all want to be around people that 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 are have a good mindset, have a good aura, right? Have a good intentions. 
And I think if you, if you go throughout your life just with good intentions at all times, like no matter what you're doing, just good intentions and, and a strong work ethic, those two things, just good intentions and a strong work ethic. Like if you just follow those two things, like I think that along the way doors will just open for you. Right. And you won't really know like when they're going to open, but as you go with that mindset, I'm going to work hard. I have good intentions and I'm going to believe in myself. Opportunities will come along the way. And when they come, you'll know exactly what to do with them. Like you'll know exactly what they're going to come. They're going to come eventually. Right. It, it takes, a, it takes a while. Like you got to just keep doing that, keep that mindset. But when the opportunities come, like you'll know exactly how to strike. And I think that keeping that mindset always keeps you ready. And that's happened for me in my life. And, and like just being like a good friend and being a good person, you know, thinking about like really being there for other people and then believing in yourself and not listening to the negative people in your life because negative people are always going to be in your life. Sometimes it's going to be your friends, your family, everyone. When you work really hard and you start to achieve things, that shines like a huge like spotlight on other people's failures right around yeah. you. And they and they kind of like hate you and don't like you for yeah. it, right? And uh, like that's like something that I've noticed. And you can't let that kind of stop. You got to say, hey, listen, up. I'm a good person. I'm a hard worker. I'm gonna. I'm, no one's gonna outwork me. When opportunities come, I'll know exactly what I'm gonna do. And that that right there, I think that's super important. Just to go through life like that. You know, don't you keep it simple. Keep moving, and keep that mindset. And opportunities will come. And like, just for an example, dude. Like an opportunity came for that, my first rental property. And I knew nothing about rental properties, but it, but I, but all I did was research for, for, for years. I'm like, I, I didn't know how to do it because I'd never done it before, but I've looked mm -hmm. at them. And when the opportunity came to close the deal, I knew how to close deals. I, I had the cash. I was ready. And I also knew enough that this property was going to make me some money. So I was ready. And I remember the lady said, oh, we're not going to go with you. You know, we don't think you have the funds. And I, and I remember I called her up. I said, listen, you're Jewish and you're, and your husband's Italian. And I love it because my mom's Jewish and my dad's Italian and we got to do this together. And the lady's like, you know what? You're right. I like that. I like that. We started laughing, you know, cause you know, cause my mom, when, when, when someone's Jewish, when you're, my mom's Jewish, I was raised Catholic, but when your mom's Jewish, you're really, you're, you're, you really have Jewish blood and you like in the Jewish faith, like I'm really Jewish in the Jewish faith. So she's like, you're really Jewish because your mom don't like, you're right. I am. And we closed the deal. And that was my first one. They ended up being really awesome people. I love them. I ended up buying another property from them. Um, right. The next following year, right after like, Hey Jordan, we have another property. I bought it from them. I built a really good relationship with them. Really, really good people, but opportunities came and I was ready for them. Right. Cause I kept that mindset. So I think that mindset's super important to have. You know, it's not about the grades you get. It's how hard you work to get those grades that you become. And, and that's it. And, and you always, you always be ready. I love it, man. Perfect. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much for your time. This was uh, really, really an enjoyable conversation. I'm really glad that we got to connect. I think it's really cool that for the two times that I was ever in Clubhouse, at least it was worth it for me to connect with you and be able to understand and, and get you to share your story on this forum. And I really encourage you to continue with your path because dude you're making such a difference in so many different people's lives and sometimes when you're on that end of it where you're just creating tiktoks at your home and you're just like oh this is what i'm doing but you don't stop to think how many people are actually watching those and how many kids in those stands are going damn 
I feel seen and heard for the first time in my life. This guy's changing my life. Like that is an incredible tool. So please keep doing that. And I'm very thankful that you joined me on this podcast, man. You got it, man. Likewise, you. I'm happy I met you. I've, I wasn't on, I wasn't on Clubhouse that much, but like, I'm happy I met you. I, I like what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I watched your last TikTok with that guy with the um, with the dog, man. That was cool, Dude. man. That, that that was a crazy story. I felt bad. I'm a dog lover, man. I have a, I have a great game, the bulldog. I love my dog. I mean, they sleep with me every night. I couldn't imagine, man. That was uh, that was cool. But you're, I, I like, I like it, man. I like what you're doing. I like all this stuff. I mean, those are the stories. Like, those are like, those are cool stories to hear. I mean, it's 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 a crazy story, but that's that that's that's life out there. That's the real world, you know. That's yeah. out there, and that that stuff's happening. And I think it's awesome what you're doing too. I'm happy to be a part of it. And this is awesome. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. You got it, dude. Hey, if you're ever in New Jersey, you know, let me know. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. Jordan's a good dude with a good message and a good story. And that's the type of people that we like to highlight on this show, man. Somebody that's out there making a difference in not only his own community, not only in their own community, right? But traveling all across the country to go and inspire other kids and reach those other kids in the stands. Dude, that's a fucking awesome story. And it's a comeback story. I think that's why we connected so much. It was just one of those things, man. So major shout out to Jordan for coming on and sharing his story and doing what he does, being the person that he is. We love that. We stand for that. Okay. Keep it up, my friend. And uh, we'll check back in with him later on down the line. I hope everybody has a happy holidays Whatever you're doing, I know the holidays can be tough for a lot of people. I myself, as a child of divorce, have a very fractured family life. And holidays are traditionally a source of pain for a lot of people. They certainly have been for me at different times in my life. But I'm feeling pretty good about where things are at right now. And I'm feeling pretty good headed into this holiday season. So hopefully, whether it's family or friends or booking a solo trip and going to Bali, like however you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope it is an awesome day for you. Check back in next week. I got my guy Tim O'Neill stopping by to talk business and sales and careers and entrepreneurship and Bay Area and it's an all-timer. I mean, the last several episodes I feel like have been all-timers and we got so much farther to go. So I hope that you'll continue to ride with me and see where it all goes. All right, guys, that's it. I'm out of here. Follow along on social media at BennyTomp18 or at RealTalkWBennyT. And please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'm back next week. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.